Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to the show. Filling in for Boyd Matheson is me, Dave Noriega, along with Amy Winder Newton, who's a council member with uh, Salt Lake county council and uh amy we just heard from um a vice president for zions bank robert spenlove who happens to be a state uh representative here uh, in utah as well and and there's a few things that we want to touch on because uh he, he hit on so many things number one labor participation is down inflation is up banks aren't lending anymore so as we kind of dive into this i, w- I want to play a little bit of that interview uh, and specifically about labor participation being down. There's kind of three main groups that we're struggling to get back into the labor force. Um, uh, the one is retirees, and we've we've kind of pulled forward retirees, especially those baby boomers, have uh, left the, the the labor force, and it's going to be really tough to get them back. But the the second really important group is women in the workforce, and we have seen. Uh, when you compare men to women uh, coming back into the labor force, uh, women have been uh, much more reluctant to come back in. And then the, the third group is is those that are less educated. Amy, uh, let, let's hit on each one of those. Uh, but let, let's start with women. Women uh, have not returned to the workforce in the same numbers before the pandemic. Well, and before we start with that, I want to push back a little bit on a comment you made about banks are not lending anymore. Let's not, you know, not let's, totally. Let's yeah. recognize that there's some hesitation there because of the uncertainty. But you know, we we you can still go get your your That's loan, yeah. and and we'll we'll go from there. But yeah, women in women going back to work is so interesting to me. And as I think through what this pandemic has done, one of the things that I know for a lot of people is it's helped us evaluate and better appreciate quality of life and work-life balance, I think. I mean, I know for my family, I mean, when you had all that family time and um, there were days that we could, in the middle of the afternoon, go take our dog for a walk and and there was just that good work-life balance. And I wonder sometimes if a lot of families have made some decisions because of that, because they want a better balance. What do you think, Dave? Do you think we've learned to live on less, on less money? I don't know. I can tell you, um, I had a neighbor who they sold their, you know, big two-story home and they moved to a smaller home and her husband quit his job and did something different. And they just like had this whole change in mindset and they wanted to simplify after the pandemic and I thought that was so interesting, and I'm sure they're not the only ones, but I, I just think it sometimes things like this help us think of things differently. It's very difficult when you when you start looking at oh my life, you know, I if I value time with my my family, my children, or a new hobby, 
it's very difficult to to look at a job and say, wow, do I really want to go back to that? Sometimes it's yes, I, I want to, I want to return. But there's other times when it's like, well, if we can make it work financially, then is it really worth going back to work? And I think that's a conversation that a lot of families are having right now. Well, and especially when we had homeschooling and children who, I mean, there was some uncertainty there with the pandemic. And so a lot of times that fell to uh, the mom's shoulders and, and maybe a family's decided, hey, until we know this pandemic has moved on, we can't take the risk of, of having, you know, the mom or the woman in the home back in the workforce when we have kids that may end up back at home at some point or quarantining or whatever. Uh, there's there's things like that that I think could play into it as well. We're talking about people not re-entering the workforce uh, at the same levels pre-pandemic. And the three groups that uh, Robert Spenlove was talking about, who who's a vice president of banking um, in with Zion's Bank, he, he said retirees, women, and the less educated. When we're talking about retirees and, and why retirees are not returning to the workforce, I can kind of see it. Once you retire, once you get kind of that taste and you're like, I, I enjoy having my time. I enjoy being able to make my own decisions. And I'm not in a rush to to return to the, the chaos. Yeah. But let's talk about the third group, the less educated, because to me, that's concerning. I mean, this is a group who, as we spoke about before, is very negatively impacted by inflation to a much higher percentage than those who are middle class. Um, this may be a group that um, maybe they're struggling because they don't have the skill sets that are needed in the workforce right now. Maybe there's too much uncertainty still with the pandemic, like we've spoken about. To me, that's the that's the group that I want to focus on. I mean, we've got to figure out how do we help people find jobs that can give them that upward mobility so that they can adequately support their families. No, that's a that's a really great point, Amy. And I think uh, when you're when you're looking at that group, the less educated, not being able to reenter the workforce, I think a part of that is because a lot of jobs were able to deal with, on, on some level with remote working where you don't actually need to be in the office uh, that you can call in or, you know, handle your meetings or do things on the computer. Well, a lot of times with, with people that don't have a lot of education, those are those blue collar worker type jobs where you do need to show up on the construction site. You need to be able to, to climb up onto that house and, and you know, throw some shingles down uh, and, it is not necessarily play well to the blue collar jobs, especially w- when you're trying to maybe do some work yourself and, and you want to renovate your home or buy new homes or um, say developers you know want to build to to ease some of the housing crisis. If we don't have blue collar workers, none of that job is going to get done. No, and cons- the construction industry right now is hot. We need lots of people. We need good people. So. Yeah, I, I think that this is this is interesting. The the women getting back into the workplace too. You wonder how much of that is because of circumstance and the inability to find the right fit, and how much is choice? Because I think that matters. I mean, if it's choice, if if families are choosing that you know they're going to have a stay at home parent that maybe they didn't before, that's a different conversation. Yeah, but if it's because they cannot find adequate childcare. If it's because they can't yes. find a, a job that kind of offsets, because for a lot of working uh, parents, 
they have to do the math, right? If I'm going to spend X on childcare, I've got to bring back Y. And that is really difficult with the soaring costs of childcare, how much it costs. It can be extremely difficult, but I think it is a really fascinating conversation because I look at those three groups and there's no easy fixes, right? You can't just say, all right, all you retirees that are enjoying retirement, come on back to work. We need you. Because yeah. if I were retired, I'd be like, no, nah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it goes back to that. Which ones are by choice and which ones are by circumstance yep. and, and can't do what they need to do. So, But child care is huge. That's such a huge barrier for a lot of women who want to work. I mean, if, it, if I had a large business, I'll tell you what, putting an in-business uh, daycare facility so that your your parents can be right there with their kids in the same building do it. That will be a fascinating change, right? Because we talk a lot of times about benefits and we talk about health care, yeah. but that's that's the next level I think that companies are going to have to start looking at and thinking, you know what, it might be worth it to invest in some daycare to be able to get my, my employees to to come in or at least part-time come in so we can provide this. That, that could totally be a benefit that I see being the norm over the next several years. All right, coming up, what should we do with Utah's surplus of federal stimulus money? Wait, we get to just spend money? We got a surplus? If there's ever a surplus in the Noriega household, baby, we are are 100% spending that. All right, we'll discuss the state's options next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.